What's up, Warriors? On today's episode, I'm talking with Helen Edwards. Helen is the international author of Nothing Sexier Than Freedom, the host of the Sexy Freedom Media podcast, a mentor, a coach, a yoga retreat leader, a podcaster, a speaker, and a total badass. She's a cheerleader of freedom, self-love, and personal growth. You're going to love this conversation. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Kristen McAlizzi. I'm a mindset and empowerment coach, a mother of four, a proud wife, a sister, a friend, and a lover of life. Each week, I want to bring you conversations that will touch your heart, make you laugh, inspire you, teach you, and help you grow into the fullest, realest version of yourself. I believe when we dare to be vulnerable and share our stories, we see the humanness of one another and often recognize the bravery inside of ourselves. Whether it's extraordinary or seemingly ordinary, everybody has a warrior story. Welcome to The Warrior Within Us. Are you an expert with the passion and knowledge to support people on their journey to start fresh? Join the only resource guide curated for people navigating life changes and be connected to the people who need you the most when they need you the most. Annual membership includes an optimized profile, free Zoom courses, and more. Fresh Starts is passionate about supporting the experts so they can support their clients. Head to freshstartsregistry.com to apply for membership today. Use code within us for $50 off your first year of membership on the Fresh Starts Registry Resource Guide. The Fresh Starts Registry Resource Guide connects experts and services with the people who need them most. Hi, Helen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Kristen. I would love it if you could introduce yourself to my audience and just let us know, you know, all the big things about you and what makes you you. Ah, all right. Dagote Nohui, she Helen Conseil. Hey, everyone. My name is Helen Edwards, and uh, I'm Apache in Spanish. I am the owner of Sexy Freedom LLC. Uh, DBA Sexy Freedom Media, also the author of Nothing Sexier Than Freedom, which is available on Audible now, which is a big achievement for me. That's why I'm sharing that, not really as a selling point, but yeah, right. <laughs> I'm super chill, super laid back. I've ran a Wild Women Retreats. I've done public speaking since 2008. I put on my own speaking uh, entertainment events all over. Um, the last one was in Las Vegas in 2019. Um, and I have my own podcast the, uh, on its fifth season, fifth year, Sexy Freedom Media podcast. So I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, that was one of the reasons why I was psyched to connect with you, because I also think nothing sexier than freedom. So hey. I loved that. I loved that vibe. So I was excited to sort of get the background story on how that business was created and what your inspiration was and maybe what your story is that, um, you know, the story of your journey for how you you got to that point. Yeah, thanks for asking. So the crazy part about how it all kind of like unfolded was it all started back in 2013 when, you know, I think I was like late 20s when it all kind of started. And I was just at a point like, you know, almost in my 30s, like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, jumping from job to job, dating life. I mean, it was crazy. And I was a single mom. Um, 
but I want to say single mom in respect to, um, I had my son part-time, you know, so his dad was really in the picture, but I just found myself with a lot of time doing everything I could to try to feed a void, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I started thinking to myself, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm really good at, except this one thing, which is dating men. So I love the dating world. I had fun with it. It just felt like a big game to me. So then I decided to start writing stories about my dating life. And it actually started with the notebook. If you've ever seen the movie, the notebook, you know, it, the woman in the, in the movie start, uh, she loses, um, she has Alzheimer's and her husband is the one reading her story back to her. And I thought, you know, early dementia runs in our family. So what if something happens to me or somebody I know, I kind of want my stories read back to me. Mm. Thus, the seed was planted to write these stories. I love that. That's so awesome. That's so cool. So like you had a very personal reason to want to write the stories. Um, Tell me a little bit about what what you wrote about. And, you know, (laughs) I'd love to hear it. Like, Tell me your juiciest yeah. story. <laughs> the it. juicy, juicy girl. <laughs> Let's go there. So the funny part is, is when I first wrote it, it didn't have a title. It was just a story, stories on my dating life. So it was really like dirty and juicy and happening. And, you know, when you're young and you feel invincible, you don't care who's reading about you. You don't care. You're going to put it all out there. You're like, this is me. And this is what I stand for. So I was kind of like in that mindset at that time. And then I ended up getting an editor, I think it was a hundred pages in, and she started questioning me. Well, why do you think this way? Well, what's, why this? And why did you do it like this? And then I was like, whoa, okay, I guess, let me dive deeper into myself. Mm. And as I start, she really is the one who kind of began, um, I guess, like basically kind of um, led my story where it was going. And that began the journey of self-discovery, self-exploration. And, you know, it's true, like your past will catch up to you. And it basically is your makeup. And I didn't want to believe that in my life. I just wanted to have fun and say, I am who I am. And that's who I am. Mm. But, (laughs) but then the book turned into a five-year journey. And it was almost like I began like this. And then I ended like this. And I left with like questions for the readers. Like I I get this a lot, like, oh my God, like who did you end up with? You know? So, because I'm dating throughout the whole thing, but not only am I dating, I'm starting to realize a pattern, a habit I have of being a notorious cheater. Mm. And also, um, you know, this journey I'm going on with self-discovery and uh, self-improvement at the same time. And I start explaining all that, this just journey of, all of it. And I bring a lot of culture into it because I'm traveling a lot of culture of my own life because of the way I was raised on a piece of land with my mom with no running water and electricity. So I'm kind of just, you know, p- putting pieces together. So I like to say the book is an erotica, romance, self-development, and, you know, a little bit of wonderlust. So it's pretty I fun. I love it. So were you writing the stories like as you went along? Or were you like recounting the stories that had already happened? I'm recounting some, and then I'm also uh, writing as I'm going. So over five years, I'm everywhere. Like I used to move five times a year in the same city. You know, that's how much of a mover and shaker I was. Um, 
And then I didn't realize I had that habit until I was writing about it. And, you know, there's so much, so many people come to me and ask me like, you know, how did you get started? How do I write a book? How do I this? And it really is as simple as just grabbing a piece of paper and just start allowing whatever comes out of you to flow out because mm-hmm. the editor is the one that's, and, and it's still true to this day, an editor comes in and helps you piece it and map it all together. So. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I love to write and I've actually, um, throughout the years, I've like been a big fan of journaling, but mm. in different ways. And I think that's in, evolved a, a lot with the sort of I call it spiritual work, I guess, that I've done the past couple of years where I like will, you know, use journal prompts to write, you know, it used to be when I was like a teenager, I would just write exactly what I did every day. So I like took a trip when I was 16 to New Zealand and I spent two months there and I literally journaled like, I woke up at this time and I like use the bathroom at this time. And this is what I ate for lunch. And it's like, I think that was sort of what, it, what was sold to us when we were little, um, that that's how you journaled. You just journaled about like what your experience was, but I feel like to be able to not only just say like, this is what I did, but this is how I felt about it. And right, like really dive deeper into like our feelings and also like desires. I think it's really powerful to, to be able to write and journal in that way instead. Um, That's fascinating. So did you start writing the stories, um, you know, sort of just like telling the stories and then realize like, wait, there are lessons here that I also am learning and then kind of like, write. Is that where the self-development piece came in? Well, okay. So just to go back to what you were saying and acknowledge you, I think that's amazing that you, do you still have those journals? I or- do. Yeah. Okay. That's so cool. <laughs> and if you ever do write a book, like there's so much information you can get from that, you know, that development, that journey you went on. So to answer your question, um, yes and no, because, because I was so on the go. I wasn't really looking back. I was just constantly moving forward. The only time I went back was when I was reflecting and writing stories of, you know, past things, but, um, it's, it was like my therapy, just like journaling, you know, cause I used to journal in a diary. I think, I think it's something a lot of young people do is that we, we do feel called to write down so much because we were going through that adolescent stage where we feel alone a lot. So a mm. lot of, a lot of us are always writing when we're younger, but when we get older, we're so distracted because we think we're still alone, but really we're, we're constantly busy with work, kids, spouses, relationships, whatever you call it, dogs, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we're not spending so much time writing. And when, as an adult, I'm writing this book, it did become like my therapy because mm. I was I forced myself to answer hard questions that the, the editor had asked me about, like, why are you doing this? What, what's, where's that behavior coming from? Did you do this around your kid? Were you like this around your family, you know? Mm. And then you're just like, whoa, whoa, was I like, you know, (laughs) I think that's so interesting because I feel like a lot of what you're saying around just being like distracted and go, go, go. And all the roles and responsibilities that we, we all sort of just by nature of our society kind of fall into that there's so often where people are not like self-reflecting and they're just like 
doing all the things, but they're not thinking about it. And then they are exhausted or um, overwhelmed, or they're like numbing out because they are not addressing what their feelings might be um, Mm -hmm. or what they could do about different stressors in their life. So then, then, you know, you get caught up in this spiral of just like not even thinking about your actions or thinking about like, why do I do things in this way? Or why am I always feeling that way? Um, I've always found myself to be a very like thinking person for lack of a better way of saying it. Like I am very intentional. So like I, I sometimes have felt the burden of that to like, you know, because I know a lot of people, um, they just are how they are and they just do what they do and they don't think about it. And I always, especially when I was a young mom, I have four kids and my oldest is 15. When I was a very young mom, you know, I overanalyzed everything and I worried about things. Um, and I wished that I could have been, I don't wish this now, but I remember wishing, um, why can't I be someone that just like does what they do and doesn't think about it all the time or doesn't want to talk about it all the time? Because I felt like I couldn't make a um, decision or take an action on something without like going through that whole like process of analyzing it. And now I think it's sort of a superpower and why I'm probably um, one of the reasons why I'm a great coach is because I kind of dig under the surface. And I've always been drawn to doing that where I think like, why would I make these choices or why would I do this thing? But I do remember as a younger person feeling burdened by it because I was like, why can't I just be like other people who seem to just like do things and they don't think about like, why was I like that? Or why did I choose that? So, um, but I think writing a book about it and like really being able to go back and reflect and also see the kind of growth that you probably made over those five years. Um, Mm -hmm. It makes me wish that I did more writing because sometimes I think like I've changed so much and so many times in my life that I kind of would love to go back to hearing that voice of mine, even though I can bring myself back there, I just love to like actually read the voice and hear like how I was feeling in those moments. Totally. I, oh, so I'm listening to the audiobook right now. And so the book was launched in 2017, no, 2018, I'm sorry, 2018. And it's taken me four years to get it. Cause as a self-published author, it's not like you're doing everything by yourself. Like I do everything by myself. Okay. So for four years, it shouldn't take that long, but again, I'm moving and shaking. And what you were talking about just now being an overanalyzer thinking, you know, it's interesting when I'm reading my story or reading, I'm listening to my story because I was very, very much the same, very introverted, very uh, analytical. Um, but I'm also high achiever, overachiever, action-based. Like I don't think, and I do. Mm. And it's interesting that I have both of those traits. And in my book, I break down like where I realized I got those traits from. And it's, it's, everybody's got their own journey. That's the crazy cool part about writing a book because you know, in the author world, once you get in there and you start marketing yourself, you find there's other people written similar books, you know? And I think the cool thing is that you really got to look at yourself like, this is my story. This is my story to share. 
and it's not, there's no competition, Mm. you know, because like I said, like, you know, I've got these two things, you've got this thing. And I really believe if I say anything today for you and all your audience, if you want to write a book, I really highly suggest it because let me tell you something. The thing that kept me going and inspired me was the fact that I was nervous. If something happened to me, I could leave something back for the people who love me. Mm. If something happens to my family, they're all in it. And I could read stories of them. Sure enough, through the process of this book becoming to where it is today, my brother's passed, my father's passed, and my mother just recently passed. Mm. All three of them are mentioned in the book with stories. So now there's a legacy left behind with my family. And, you know, write something that's going to be out there in the world to share your life, to put your footprints on, not just in your family, but like, it's out there. I mean, it's international now. So it's, I'm really proud of myself for holding on to that anchor for so long to get me through it. Ah, that's amazing. I love that. Uh, talk to me a little bit about vulnerability because, you know, you're (laughs) writing your story and, you know, like you said, when you're young, you might think like, I am who I am, which by the way, I feel like, um, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm in my early forties and I feel like I've gone through that all over again, but in a much more authentic, like, uh, not as conditioned way, uh, where now I feel like I could probably make that bold statement, even more, even truer to say like, this is who I am. I am who I am. And I'm mm-hmm. proud of who I am. Um, whereas maybe in my early twenties, I, was more who the world thought I should be and not Mm. really myself, but talk to me a little bit about vulnerability and sharing your story and how that felt. And, you know, whether it was scary or, you know, I'm sure also exciting. Tell me about your feelings behind being vulnerable. Yeah, that's vulnerability. So it's funny because I didn't even know what that word meant for like the longest time. (laughs) And then when I did, I was like, oh my God, I've been vulnerable like my whole life, not even know it. (laughs) And but then I was scared. So what's the other thing I'm scared of then if if I'm been vulnerable? Um (laughs) uh yeah, so I'm 41. I'll be 42 this year. And um vulnerability was so huge for this book. First of all, I'm writing about my sex life. And uh, I'm also writing about my desires, my notorious cheating, you know, why I believed some parts were okay, why I believe some parts were wrong. Um, that in itself is very vulnerable because mm-hmm. cheating is bad, you know, but to who, you know, to everybody. Well, when I was writing the book, I was like, is it wrong to me? Like I started questioning a lot of things. Um I mentioned a lot about spirituality, religious I've been through. Um, uh, my diagnosis is that I've been, you know, I started going to counseling at a very young age. A lot of things I started going, talking about that I honestly never thought I'd ever talk about. And there's some parts I even mentioned in there like, oh my God, my mom's going to kill me when she reads this, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the vulnerability that I realized the biggest the biggest uh, cherry on the top of that vulnerability was when the book was coming to a close. It was in final editing. I had a pen name the whole time through the whole book, you know, talking about it. I had a pen name, you know, marketing pen name. And my brother um, 
took his life the mm-hmm. day before, no, I'm sorry, the day after um, I had launched my book trailer. And it was so devastating to our family. And I was like, I can't even finish this book. Like, what, what am I going to do? Like, I, I was just so distraught. And I remember my mom and my sisters were the ones that really encouraged me, keep going, keep going. You've got to finish this, you know? And so I decided to add one more chapter in dedication to suicide prevention because I deal with my own demons and, you know, many people out there do. And I actually talk about it all through the book. And it was at that point, I thought, if I'm going to be authentic, if I'm really going to live authentically and really be vulnerable and I'm, you know, really standing in who I am, then I'm going to use my real name. There's no more hiding. This is it. This is it. Like the world is going to know how crazy, wild, sexy, desirable, and, and all the things I'm going through life, like there's just no hiding. And, and it was the most, it was the freedom that I'd finally felt that I had was standing into this is my story. Um, it is a creative nonfiction. So there was some things changed. So that way I was protecting people and um, even myself sometimes if people saw me out on the street, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's where the vulnerability came from is really because you got your vulnerability. Okay. But it, the think of that vulnerability, like energy. Okay. So it's that it's just searching and it's just giving out because it's being vulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. When you when you're vulnerable, you connect with people, but I felt like it's searching for something. It's almost like it's collecting, uh, it's other half. And it makes sense to me. This is just my perspective because there's always a yin and yang. There's up and down, there's in and out, there's feminine, masculine. So same thing with energy and vulnerability. It's searching for its, its other half. Mm. And I felt like once I did this, it, it found its other half. And I felt, I felt whole again and free, right? And free. Yeah. And that, I mean, it doesn't stop there because the journey is always continuous. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. I always say, um, it's, you know, especially in, in, with the concept of like healing, right? Like nobody is, is healing. We never talk about healing to be healed. It's always to be on a path toward healing because there are always going to be things that come up that we have to experience until the day we die, right? Like we're going to have, we're human. So we're going to have the full human experience. We're going to experience things that um, come up that we don't expect, um, my life has been full of things that like, I thought it was going to go this way and it went this way instead. And, um, so I think it's always just like a, a journey and a kind of evolving and we're never really done until we're done. Um, but I also love what you said about sort of, uh, your philosophies and, um, which I think also changed wildly through the years, right? Um, where you kind of questioned rules, which is a place that I've very strongly been sitting in for the past couple of years while I say, wait a minute, like I've been living my life by this set of standards and rules and like, who even made these rules and who decided that, um, we should live this way. Uh, but also, like you said, even about, um, you know, cheating or big kind of lofty concepts like that, right? Like aren't so black and white as people sometimes paint them out to be that there's like layers and layers of, um, 
depth to some of these rules that we all just think are like, no, that is right. And that is wrong. Or that is black and that is white. It's just like, there's so much more gray area than we um, always talk about, but I feel like it's like, there's always been a group of people who push that boundary and say, but wait a minute, do we really have to feel this way? But I feel like that group of people it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And we're in a kind of time in the world where we're saying like, wait, isn't it us who gets to decide like how we're going to live our lives? Like, so, um, I really, that I really resonated with you saying that, like you wrote about your journey and how you see the world and it might not be the way other people see the world. No doubt about it. Yeah. I would, everything you're just saying, I'm like, wait, did she read it? Cause I feel like you're <laughs> reading my words right now. I do talk a lot about that constantly. Like, you know, questioning, questioning the questioners, you know, <laughs> about how I live my life. And, you know, that chapter, the, the book is it's done, you know, and now I'm even considering writing another one. I'm writing one with my son right now, who's um, 22 in the air force. And you know, it's just really interesting because when I, when I put the book out there, there's so many people that reached out to me, but I'm going to tell you who I did not expect to reach out. A lot of men, mm. there are men that read it and they were like, I didn't know women thought this way. I didn't, you know, you've given me an, a glimpse into what women think and, you know, certain wild women think, especially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really interesting. I love that. And uh, it's so funny because I was listening to a podcast earlier today and it's a couple of girls, they're comedians and they talk a lot about sex. And my, and my husband started listening to the podcast after I finished listening to it. And he's like, I didn't know girls talk this way. And I'm like, you've been married to me almost 20 years. I mean, you know, I talk that way. Like you just didn't know, like there are other women out there like me, but anyway, I just think it's so interesting because you know, even you writing about desire and about um, sexuality for so long, we've been conditioned to think that like women don't think like that or women don't talk like that. So I, I talk a little bit about like female empowerment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all started with my mom, my queen. She's, she's really the one who, you know, was my coach, my spiritual guru. She was the the one, I mean, we followed her little ducklings following her around single mom of five kids. And, you know, we saw her get literally saw her get out of harmful situations. She was beat up by men in her past. I mean, we ended up in DV shelters a lot. We were sleeping in cars. We were sleeping in parks. We were bathing in rivers. Things were constantly changing for us. And where I started seeing the, the female empowerment was that the young age started with her and my aunts, like my aunts coming to rescue her and rescue us along with her. And then it began, you know, ending up in the shelters and get the gathering of the women talking to one another of what's going on. And, um, you know, seeing her hug women who had burns on their face from, you know, their, their domestic abuse and seeing her just say, Hey, I'm here for you. Even though like she's in need too. She's, reaching out and she's becoming that leader figure. Like I started noticing that. And then I started noticing like the way she talked to us, like we don't need a man's help. We could do this on our own, you know? So we'd always, the car died. We all have to get out and push the car. It was so embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie. Cause it happened 
all the time, you know, hitchhiking. We were always hitchhiking because the cars were dying. So we would have to, you know, and she would take full control. This is what's going to happen. If, you know, she was so powerful. I honestly didn't know how short she was till I got older and got taller than her. And I was like, oh my God, you were this like small little woman, so powerful. And when you're a kid, you're thinking, you're so big and powerful. You know? mm, mm. I have Mom. women in like, I have women like that in my life who uh, I've connected with through social media and I didn't like meet them in person for a while. And then I meet them in person. And I'm like, I thought you were so much taller. And I know it's because I just think of them as these like big, bold, like mm-hmm. badass women. So I'm like, yeah, I never expected you to be this little, like, and it's not like I would have no reason to picture them as tall, but it's, it's very interesting that it aligns perfectly with these women that I actually also think are just sure. like awesome. So it's that big queen energy that they have, you know, my sister's the same way. She's a flight instructor and she has her own flight school and she's super tiny and everybody thinks she's like this. It really is just big queen energy. And uh, you know, if you, you know, you know, if you have it and you know, who has it in your circle, um, and you know, who's capable of having it. Uh, it's very, very interesting though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So female empowerment really comes from that my mom would put us in circles when we were younger. So we did a lot of rituals and ceremonies when we were younger. Uh, we grew up on, like I said, on a piece of land that had no running water, no electricity. And she had an idea to build an earth ship. Okay. I don't know if you're, anybody knows what an earth ship is, but in short, it's building a house out of tires packed with dirt and you can Google it. Um, it's kind of like a recycled house, good for the earth in different ways, but that was her dream an earth ship house on 40 acres. So every day after school, we were packing tires with a sledgehammer. I'm not kidding. We were showering with like a gallon of water, you know, um, every night we were singing songs and dancing, playing around a bonfire. So to me, that was like normal as I got older. And I didn't realize the significance it had on me as I got older, because, you know, when we sat in circle, if some, if we got new clothes, we had to give something and it was so hard to give up a piece of clothing for a new clothing, but you wanted that piece of new clothing that trains you as a young person, when you're older to be able to go, I can now give this away. I don't need to hold on to this. Like I'm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that all develops an empowering mindset. It's empowering when you're able to let go of things you value and know that the value really comes from the circle around you. And also when you give things up, you make space for other things to enter. Absolutely. Like so often we think we want we want um more things, right? But yeah. we hold so tightly to what we already have that we don't make the space to have new things come in. I think that about money, like when, when we hold on so tightly to our money, like it's going to like vanish into thin air Mm -hmm. and we are afraid to spend it. um, We're sending a signal to the universe that we also don't have room to receive. So it's like when Mm -hmm. we can kind of let that flow happen and there are other obviously examples of that, but like, you know, it's like wanting for a new relationship or friendship, Mm -hmm. but you're spending all your time with like a toxic friend that isn't Mm -hmm. bringing you good energy or, or bringing anything good into your life. But if you don't let that friend go, 
you're not going to make space for the new friend to come in. So shoot girl preach. Okay. Look, you hit the nail on the head because uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, that's so true. So I've upped and left like so many times. Like I get this from my mom. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Cause she did the same thing when we were little. So, you know, one of the things is I lived in Phoenix for 16 years and I was dating and dating and dating. And it just, and it hit me one time, it hit me during actually right before COVID, like, what am I doing? If abundance is, if I believe in abundance, you know, it, which so many, it, the, there's an abundance movement going on right now. Okay. And there should be, because, you know, if you believe in abundance, you can't just think it's like, you don't limit it to just like money, jobs and stuff, you know, abundance is also like friendships, relationships, and it could be anywhere. And so I remember when COVID kind of hit the, the thing where they were like making everybody stay home, people are, you know, getting released from their jobs. Um, I was in Phoenix for 16 years and I realized I need, I need to go. Something inside of me was like, I need to go. And if I tell my friends, I mean, I got like decades of friends. If I tell them they might influence me out of this, like I knew myself well enough to think they might talk me out of it. And I'm, I'm like the type of person, if they talk me out of it, I might let them. Mm. So I thought if I believe in abundance so much, then maybe my man is not here and, or my partner, my life partner is not here in Phoenix. Although Phoenix is a huge, huge city. Maybe it's not here. And so I left, I packed up, I called my mom and I said, I'm going to come stay with you on the ranch for a month, if that's possible and leave my stuff there. <laughs> and I'm the wild one of the, the family. So she was like, uh, come on down, you yeah. know? <laughs> and I'm so glad I listened to that intuition inside of me. Cause had, I know that was going to be the last year I spent with my mom, you know, I didn't know. And went, spent 30 days with her on the ranch and had the best time ever. And then I remember thinking it's time for me to go. It's time for me to get in my vehicle and just travel, solo travel. So in 2020 I did. And when my friends, you know, they know me to travel a lot to go, but they don't know me to pack my stuff and move, mm. just move 16 years of acquired stuff. And I just got rid of everything and just said, I'm out. And sure enough, as I was traveling through Wyoming, where I'm here now, I met somebody deeply in love almost two years later, still in love, the most healthiest relationship I've ever been in mm. somebody who's made me a better person. And, um, that would have never happened. Had I not listened to that abundance calling me for mm. something that's maybe not just here, but could be anywhere. That's beautiful. And I'm always talking about like following the nudges, right? Like when you mm -hmm. get an idea that moves you, there's a reason for it and you could ignore it and you could have just lived life the way you had been living it. But you know, mm -hmm. there's something about tapping into that intuition and trusting those nudges that might not lead you where you think you're going, but it will lead yeah. you somewhere. And mm -hmm. I think when we really trust, that's when the things that happen are like the things that are meant to happen and the things, yeah. you know, and like I said, we it's, we're not always, I feel like we shouldn't always be so tied to like what the outcome would be, mm. but just allowing sort of, and whatever spiritually you believe, like God, the universe, higher power, whatever source, uh, let that be the deciding factor in where you end up. It doesn't really matter. Right. Like if, but if we just follow those intuitive nudges mm -hmm. then that's, that's where amazing things can happen for our lives. I think so many amazing things. You know, when I look back at the past 
two years, let's just say, you know, it's 20, when did it happen? 2019, 2020? 2020. Okay. <laughs> 20. I know I do the same thing. <laughs> I can't even believe 2022 is here. So that's so weird. I know. Um, but, you know, I think back and like I was saying, that was the, the last year I was going to spend with my mom. Um, there's, I, when my mom got diagnosed with um, pancreatic cancer and we found out she only had three months to live, um, you know, I had left her back to Wyoming. I'd spent my, a weekend with her. She was fine. We were doing sake, sushi, everything. I come back to Wyoming. I'm here for four days and I get the news. Okay. I drop everything. I go spend time with her and I decide like, I'm going to become one of, you know, along with my sisters, one of her caregivers in home caregivers, because she wants to stay home and die in home. And going through that experience with my mom, my mom, this is where it comes back to full circle of empowerment. She was the empowerment figure for me my whole entire life and entire like journey of her death. So I like to say she was my teacher in life and also my teacher in death. Mm. I don't think a lot of people get that opportunity. And I say opportunity because so many of us, um, and, and I'll use my sister, one of my sisters as an example, because I don't think she'd mind me saying, but she was very honest with me and she, she left before my mom finally passed. And I asked her why she left. And she said, to be honest, I couldn't handle it. And I said, that's okay. That's okay. Because now I'm your extension to the, to teach you what mom has left, you know, for this lesson, mm -hmm. the last lesson for us. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an opportunity because I was there to hold my mom's hand and chant with her and sing with her, you know, that our Apache language, um, you know, telling her that it was okay to leave. And I remember her just, she looked at me and her breath started slowing and then she was finally able to leave. And I remember thinking to myself, like that encompasses all empowerment because she was so fierce. I'm telling she was fierce in her final days. Not once complained, not once woe is me, not once, you know, cried about it. Like she was always checking on us, making sure we okay. Always having a good time. Like, did we do what you wanted to do? Did we do what you wanted to do? You know, in her final, like, uh, week and it was just incredible. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, that what, what empowerment that she's filled with that she's still able to give to us because empowerment's a fullness that you can also be able to give to others, no matter what place you're in, in life. Mm. And I, I thought that was really amazing. What a gift to be able to have that. Yeah. Sort of I know not a lot of people get that. And I, and my heart goes out to a lot of people that didn't have that because, you know, their family was in the hospitals during COVID. They didn't get it. You know, they were separated. So we're all in different places on in these, when this happens, but I really feel like I got that and I feel really unbelievably thankful for it. Mm. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, um, is, when you were dating, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you have did you have it in your mind that you were trying to find the one or were you just like having a good time? I think I was initially wanting to find the one because I think most of us want to we want we want our person. Mm. But then, you know, if when you read the book, you'll find out that I start off with good intentions. But then 
I had, I, I was on a defense. I had a defensive mindset back then where, you know, if you're going to hurt me, I'm going to hurt you worse, mm. you know, because that's how I protect myself. That's how I protected myself back then. And that's how I conditioned myself. Um, but in, you know, I didn't, I wanted to find love because I wanted to find it from a young age. I, I was, I was very happy at a certain time in my life when I was married and, um, and then I became a scorned woman and I talk very openly about that and what it's like. You don't want to end up with a scorned woman, okay? <laughs> you don't want to run. <laughs> well, that one that hasn't gone through the process of like getting all of that. I, I really believe and correct me if I'm wrong, that part of your healing journey really is putting all of that stuff on paper because otherwise it would live inside of you, right? Like if you right. didn't, and that's part of the reason why I created this podcast, because I wanted to give people the opportunity to tell their warrior story, because I believe that like, there's something very powerful about telling our stories and that if we hold mm -hmm. them inside, they eat us alive. So like, you've probably done so much healing just by like telling your stories and being able to then kind of analyze them and say like, <laughs> what's the lesson I can learn here? Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, you yeah, after a while saw patterns and then mm -hmm. you could say like, there's a lesson here for me. Yeah. I think, and not think, I know that my biggest, uh, obstacle was myself mm. and you know, it, it's with everybody, like you are your world. And when you were talking about earlier analyzing versus action, you know, you're stopping you, you know? So, writing it there's so many so not there was so many things that help happen that helped me writing um talking about it uh you know i actually wrote in there my dreams of becoming you know traveling and uh helping women one day and doing retreats um and uh my mom was going to be alongside me doing these retreats and i wanted to you know, I was looking into being a yoga instructor. I wrote all of this before it even happened. Yes. Yeah. And then it all happened. All of it. My mom included working with me alongside with me in the retreats. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Cause I didn't, you know, when you're writing, like I said, over five years, I didn't know, like I kind of was trying to end the book and I thought, how do I end the book? Cause I could keep writing for another 10 years. Like now mm. it's becoming a journal, you know? And I thought, okay, I need it. And this, how I think my life might turn out, how I, so I start visualizing where I see myself and I kid you not all those things I wrote and all those things happened. Oh, I believe and, that wholeheartedly yeah. <laughs> because I think that, that you're, we're all capable of like manifesting whatever yeah. it is that we yep. can conjure up. But like, I think a lot of people still need a lot of convincing, right? Because that's mm -hmm. pretty a pretty dangerous concept for society, for like a conditioned role-based society, right? Like, oh, yeah. we don't want to give people the idea that they can just like dream up something and then make it happen, but mm -hmm. they can. We've just been conditioned to think, no, you have to follow these rules and mm -hmm. this is what you should become and this is what mm -hmm. you should um hope for or dream for. And then all of a sudden we wake up and say, wait a minute, like, how did I get here? Like, this isn't, yes. You know, how many people end up feeling like, how have I worked a job I hate for 20 years? Mm. How have I lived in a place? I mean, in new England, we're famous for being like, why do we live here? We complain about the winter. We don't. And mm. 
the other side of that is you can also train your brain to appreciate and be grateful for the things that you think you hate so much, because maybe there's a lesson there too, but we're, I think we're powerful manifestors. And I think that is the most exciting thing I think you've said is that like, <laughs> look at you wrote a book and, and things came true because you mm -hmm. felt them so deeply that you like wrote them down and shared them. And I, I think that's awesome. I want to kind of bring this conversation full circle and say that at the beginning of this, you said that when you were young, you were thinking about like what you wanted to do, what you wanted to be. And it's, it's so funny because I, um, started this podcasting journey and my coaching journey, uh, business a couple of years ago when I was famous for saying this line of, I know that I'd be really amazing at whatever it is I've, I'm meant to be, if only I could figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. And I started to finally take chances on going after these like big dreams that I had that I was kind of just pretending I, I had no idea. Right. Um, but you said at the beginning that you felt like the only thing you're good at or that you loved was dating. So how has that changed for you? And now how do you see yourself or sort of, um, define yourself or define what it is that you love to do or that you're really good at? Yeah. Good question. <laughs> well, by the way, your smile's awesome. Um, <laughs> I want to say that it, um, probably towards the end of the book, I had a, so funny, there's a part of the book. And when I reread this, I'm like, whoa, was I on something? <laughs> because I, I know I wasn't, I was in Oregon on my sister's balcony. And I just had this, like, I really connect with mountains and I really connect with nature. And I know we all do, which is great because that's where, um, you know, the mama earth gets to speak to us. And that particular day, the wind was just going through these trees. And, um, I had, I had this vision and it, I know this doesn't sound funny because it actually sounds better in the book. <laughs> this is why writing so, so good. I, I guess I had this like vision, like, could you ever like see things with your eyes open, but yep. not like ghost like It's yep. just like visions you see with your eyes open. Okay. So I was having one of those, but I was having them with three particular, um, I don't want to say types of people. I'll just say they're not really entities. You can describe them how you want, but it was with uh, trust, love, and forgiveness. And each one came up to me and started talking to me about my life. And I, I in the book, I described them in an animation form. Like they're actually people talking to me in certain ways and they're confronting me and throwing things at me. Like, you know, tell us the truth and tell us this and tell us that. And then they catch me in a lie because I'm trying to lie. And I realize now that I, you know, read when I reread it or I re-listen to it, that was me. That was me coming clean with myself and beginning a new relationship with trust, forgiveness, and love. Mm. Because you, you, we want all these relationships with people, but, and you know, and they, like the story goes, you want, you want to have a relationship with yourself first before you have one with others. You can have both, but that relationship with other people is always changing. Just like the relationship with ourselves is always changing, but I realized, you know, to quit procrastinating, I had to learn how to have a relationship with um, commitment mm -hmm. and discipline. Same thing goes with how I broke, you know, my cheating ways. I had to have a relationship with trust, 
relationship with forgiveness, relationship with love. You know, I want love, but I know nothing about it. Mm. Like, unless I start developing that relationship within myself, Mm. you know, so it was really interesting. So where I'm at now is between my last relationship and the one I have now, I remember breaking that relationship off the last one I had before this one, because I realized it was very unhealthy. It was very unhealthy. Um, it are, it took a really bad turn to the left. It was actually with a narcissist. It was my second narcissist and, um, not everybody's narcissist, but I knew this one was all the traits were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I realized, you know, like attracts, like there's something in me that was calling to this person. And this was my opportunity to say, I'm no longer that person. Mm. I've got to walk away. Cause it was that, that old person in me. And I knew this cause there was that old person in me that was saying, well, maybe we can work it out. Maybe we can. And you know, just that, just that alone. I knew you're, I don't want to cuss, but you're that, you're the thun thun that called that person to, and tell me, I knew you were still in there. Crazy Helen. Okay. <laughs> like, no, no. So hire Helen basically came in and was like, no, nope. We're going to cut it. We're not even going to cheat on this person. We're not doing that again. We're not going to play these games no more. We're done. We are done. And I remember when I let, when I released that, because I went back to my mom's, my mom was, oh, moms are amazing. <laughs> so are dads. So are best friends. So are people that, that are your safety nets and catch you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know who they are for you, but God, give them a lot, a lot, a lot of love because mm-hmm. you're going to miss them when they're gone. Mm-hmm. So I remember going with my mom and, you know, she's out there smoking her weed and I'm sitting on my, my car and, uh, we got music going and I'm drinking beers and I'm, we're howling at the moon. Cause we did that. And, um, I'm crying because I'm telling her, like, I did something I never did before. You know, I, I, I'm done. And it was so powerful because it was that moment that I realized, okay, I'm going to travel and I'm going to, I'm going to live for myself. And I'm going to just love myself and I'm going to learn how to do things by myself. And, you know, I don't need anybody there to hold my hand. And I sure did that. I, before I came to Wyoming, before I passed through, I went to Oregon, I went to California, I went to the beaches and I spent a lot of time with myself and, you know, people I I was visiting and it was so great. And when I met the person I'm with now, I said, I'm happy before you. I would, I could be happy with you and I could be happy without you. So mm. you've got to bring something to my life and I've got to do the same for you. And I'll tell you, you really know if somebody's making you a better person because it, it's grand, mm. you know? Uh, so, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I think part of that is it's not like having that need for that other person, mm-hmm. right? Like the whole concept of like somebody completing you, you had to yeah. complete yourself and realize like, I don't have to be on this constant quest to find Mm -hmm. that person that's going to complete me. I'm going to complete me. And then I'm going to bring my whole self into a relationship with another whole self. And that's how we're going to continue on together. Um, I think that that's, I I, I think that's where it's at. I mean, I, I, I have been with my husband for uh, 17 years, but our relationship too has evolved and changed Mm. and we've had low points and high points and, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, we're not, I'm not promised to have forever with him. Mm -hmm. So in, in this might be like a shocking thing for people to hear me say, but like, if something were to happen to him or he decides tomorrow that 
he's out of here. Uh, I mean, I have four kids to take care of. So I would be obviously for all the reasons that you can think of, I would be devastated, but I would also still be wholly me. I'd be Mm. fully me. And I know that I could, my journey wouldn't be over. So, you know, in that sense, it's like, you have to be a whole person individually and, and then you find your person and, and then there's still even a chance that that person that you'll move on from that person, not you, but collectively. Yeah. And so as long as you are whole and you have that for the risk of sounding corny love for yourself, Mm -hmm. that that's what the goal should be so that you're always complete. Yeah. And you know, what you said is so right. You, we, we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't, I didn't know, you know, my brother was going to take his life. I didn't know my mom was going to have like three months to live. Like when I last left her that one time, you know, there's, there's things we don't know. And that in itself should drive us to waking up and saying, all right, I'm going to grab the you know bull by the balls and I'm going to make things happen today. And when I say make things happen, I'm not talking about like, you know, being successful with a hundred million dollars in your bank account. Like today, I'm talking about like the small things, you know, getting out of bed, mm. washing your face, you know, um, turning on some music, you know, feeling good in your bathrobe, washing the dishes, you know, things. And I'm mentioning these things because these, I have days like these, mm. you know, I do a self-check. I, I'm, I talk about something called protect the throne. I've d- I do it in my retreats. Um, and I've got cards that I've, I used to sell with them. And basically it means protect the mind, body, and spirit, because you've got to protect yourself also. You know, my teacher talks about prayer, even the prayer needs protection, you know? So it's not just like giving and giving, but also protecting and you doing the, the podcast, you know, these podcasts are, are memory tanks, you know, mm-hmm. I've had my mom on my, my podcast and that one particular podcast means the world to me, mm-hmm. you know, the, these are things that we're, we're doing to protect ourselves, to heal ourselves and to empower our queendom. Mm. Like, let's go. Okay. Mm. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You are my people. I'll, I want to come to one of your retreats. Like it's so funny. It's, this is what it's about, right? Like connect connection. Uh, and just being able to say like, you're on the other side of the country, we've never met before, but somehow social media, whatever it is, but something kind of strange and weird that people still can't really grasp the concept of like connected us together. And now we're having this amazing conversation Mm -hmm. that we now get to share with other people. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's amazing. I think you're amazing. I can't wait to read your book and um, (laughs) let everybody know where they can find your book, where they can connect with you if they want to learn more about you and what you're up to. Yeah. Find me on a hell of a journey. It's right, written right here. Awesome. <laughs> um, you can find me that's Instagram, uh, sexy freedom media on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you also, um, let's see <laughs> it, the easiest thing to do is just go to sexyfreedom.com. Everything's on there. And, uh, always, you know, reach out, say hi, give out good karma, you know, go leave a review for Kristen's podcast and, you know, watch good things come back to you. Awesome.
What an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it and you want to hear others like it, I would love it if you check out the links in the podcast description. I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who would also enjoy it. You can also find me over on Instagram at K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-I-C or visit my website at www.thewarriorwithinus.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you.